1: How are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Well, I just think that my life can now be divided into pre-Mamma Mia the Party (laughs) and post-Mamma Mia the Party. Oh,
2: very much so, me too, yeah. What
1: a night we had. What a night. Uh, Can you describe to the drifters what Mamma Mia the Party is? is because i don't even think i i was very excited about going Mm. i'd said to my wife on a number of occasions before christmas i really want to go to mamma mia the party Mm -hmm. and then she arranged it as my christmas present Mm. but I, i don't think i had a clear sense of what it was i just knew it was something that existed and then i felt excited so can can you describe it
2: well i can describe it in two parts the first part is very easy the second part is very hard the first part is imagine the taverna in mamma mia the film they recreate that including smells and how it looks and stuff and then you sit down and you have a four-course meal. That bit is easy to describe. The bit that's harder to describe is that the waiters, they sing and dance, but there's also cast members and they've kind of done this kind of spin-off story of Mamma Mia. And it's it's like you're going to a West End show, but it's all happening around the tables and it's kind of a spin-off Mamma Mia. Do you think that's doing a good it, job? You're not,
1: doing, you're not doing a bad job. It certainly mm. seems to it's, it's confusing because in the uh i think like when it's a film they call it the cinematic universe but in the cinematic universe that the 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 taverna exists in mm. abba exists, as do people like pierce brosnan who crop up in the s- script yes yeah yeah so i think okay let me t- let me try i think the taverna you go to mm is supposed to be the taverna they used as a location in Mamma Mia. Yes, yeah. Uh, but it's what happened after they filmed the film there. Yes, okay. But it's still a fictional location because they've recreated it mm-hmm. uh, in the Millennium Dome. <laughs> (laughs) So it's it's, it's very...
2: And then the third part is very easy to describe and maybe the best bit is they then have an ABBA disco, which is basically a disco where they only play ABBA music.
1: Until a certain point, they start playing Donna Summer and then everybody leaves. Yeah, which is what happened to us, yeah. I mean, it was... I I never love anything where you're interacting with cast members too much. Mm. So... When we were arriving, people were saying, welcome to Greece. Is it your first time in Greece? Yeah, yeah, that's a bit awkward. Welcome to the island. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then when our waiter was, you know, talking through the menu, Mm. he also said, any allergies? And uh, we we all said no. He said, I've just got to be uh, double clear. I haven't had any incidents on my watch. I don't want any incidents. And I sort of said something like, oh, have you had any deaths? Right. And he didn't seem to take kindly to it. <laughs> so I don't know if he wasn't a good improviser or the character <laughs> of the waiter wouldn't have enjoyed a quip uh, like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It was difficult to, to say. Um, the, the very exciting thing that happened mm was, I think it's fair to say we were in the cheap seats. Yeah,
2: we were looking down on where it was happening. Yeah, yeah. so
1: the the seats on the floor where the band is and where most of the actors stroke waiters are uh, are the expensive seats. Then you've got a raised level next to that and they've got like the best view of it, I guess. Mm. And then we were up in the, the gods on the highest balcony. But mm. it was still, still a lovely table. Oh, yeah. So we're sitting there sort of before the show started mm. and along the gangway, we spotted a figure... -hmm. That figure, Mm -hmm. Bjorn Ulvaeus from ABBA. He was there. It blew my mind. So he walked straight past us, and and part of me is thinking should I have grabbed his hand and said, Thank you for the music? And then he he was sort of walked around. He'd obviously been taken around this way because they didn't want everybody noticing him. Mm, mm. And then he was shown round to a table on the middle level with a good view of things. And as much as I enjoyed the performance, I couldn't stop myself from looking at Bjorn all all night.
2: Well, we watched him a lot, yeah. I
1: mean, it's just fascinating that a member of ABBA was, and he is the member of ABBA that is behind this particular endeavour. Yeah. But he was there in this pretend taverna Mm-hmm. which was a recreation of the film Mamma Mia, yeah. hearing them make jokes about ABBA and then listening to <laughs> the cast <laughs> sing all these songs that he'd written yeah. shoehorned into a story. Yeah, And he looked like he was having a whale of a time. We asked the people who worked there how often he's there and they said quite often, which says to me, he either really likes Greek food mm. that he doesn't have to pay for Mm-mm. or he just really loves like sitting there listening to Abba songs, which or seems bizarre to me.
2: Terrible control freak. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's, the third, that's the third option, isn't it?
1: It was amazing. And, you know, uh, uh, my friend, Nick, who, so it was me and Annabelle, uh, Annabelle's lover, Tom, my wife, Sarah, and then uh, our friends, Nick and Catherine, or my friends, Nick and Catherine. And um, Nick, Nick, was kind of up for going over to Bjorn's table and shaking his hand, mm-hmm. whereas I felt a little bit too shy, and we hard a bit too much all night. And then we thought if he needed the toilet, he'd, be, he'd have to come past our table. Mm. Um, but he ended up leaving before we. He, he stayed till the end of the show. Yeah, yeah. But very strong bladder, I think. Ah, yeah, so he didn't. He didn't go, get up to no, go to the loo at all, right. did he? I you think know, it's for the best. Yeah, mm. I'd figured out what I was going to say. Oh, to you him.
2: had. Oh, what were you going to do? So,
1: Excuse me, excuse me. Uh, I'm sorry. You must get this a lot. Uh, you, you look just like one of the professors from Mamma Mia 2. because <laughs> he makes a little cameo in that film. <laughs> that would have been amazing.
2: Would have been good, wouldn't it? Oh,
1: so good. It, it wasn't to happen, mm. but afterwards. I got Annabelle to come over to his table with me, where he'd been sitting, <laughs> mm. and there was some leftover baclava and there was uh, his his dirty napkin and a half and finished little drink, yeah, a half mm. finished a glass of coke. And I got I, I sat in his chair and got Annabelle to take a picture of me with his napkin tucked into my shirt, holding yeah. up his glass of yeah. Coca Cola.
2: That's as good as me him. Better, isn't better, some would Better, better some would say. Better, 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 yeah, would say. Yeah. Our
1: DNA is all mingled together now. <laughs> On that glass, I didn't finish it. <laughs> um, so so that was Mamma Mia the party, which was just, I mean, it was an incredible experience. Um, so, a couple of things. So, I mentioned that some friends of ours, Nick and Catherine, who were just great were there, but you hadn't really spent any time socially with them prior to this, had mm, you? No, I hadn't. And then when we all left, mm. my wife and I went off to get a taxi, mm. and you all went on the London Underground. Yeah. How did that go? Because that, that is a very odd dynamic when the, the couple or the person who is the glue mm. between disparate sets of friends yeah, yeah. suddenly extricates it. I don't even like getting up and going to the toilet Mm-hmm. you know uh, so tell me how, how well, let was let me tell that? you
2: it was just awful because we said also said goodbye to them and you when you left to go so we'd already done the big goodbye and then we realised we were going in the same direction so then that was really awkward so we just started talking again and then we did a good goodbye another big goodbye because we were going eastbound and they were going westbound but then as it turned out we still had quite another long corridor to go down oh, no. so we walked the whole length of the corridor going well yeah alright then well <laughs> yes, that was <laughs> yep, okay, all right then, well, okay, almost there, okay, yep, bye then, <laughs> bye, bye. Yeah, it was a very long corridor.
1: Another strange thing that happened was uh, Nick spotted um, the woman who works in his local <laughs> chemist. <laughs> At Mamma Mia, the party. <laughs> but she was far enough away from us that she didn't see him. Mm. And she was singing into her spoon a lot as if it were a microphone. Oh, that's so nice. It's very nice. Yeah. Very, very nice. Um, so the question is, do you think it would be appropriate for him to mention it? Or indeed go into that chemist singing into a, Abba songs no! into a spoon?
2: No, no. All that would do is seem extremely creepy. <laughs> yeah, definitely not.
1: Right, right. Good. Well, as I said before... I've, uh, I can now divide my life into before. It's a uh, BMMTP and AMMTP, and we are we are currently almost one week AMMTP. Drifter stories, then. Uh, How's it looking this week, Annabelle?
2: Okay, first one is from Matthew Godfrey. He's uh, given us a few small details about himself, his age, 30, where he lives, Perth, Western Australia, Uh, currently teaching primary school. Oh, sorry, he's from Perth, Western Australia. Okay. He's currently teaching primary school students in Fukuyama, Hiroshima, Japan. Wow. Yeah. This tale of cheeseboard with cringe crackers doesn't quite fall into the socially inept. However, it was the beginning of my decline into social anxiety. First, let it be noted that I haven't told this story to anyone before. But I feel I need absolution as it haunts my subconscious mind day and night like a lovelorn ghost in a faded wedding dress perched on a crag overlooking the storm-struck sea. OK, deep breath. When I was 17 and single, I went through a cringeworthy phase of big gestural romanticism. I was still young and wanted life to be like the movies. A small example of this, I would go to a florist and ask a young lady roughly my age to pick out flowers for me. As it was her job, she would oblige. But after I'd made payment, I would simply hand her back the bouquet and ask if she would like to go to dinner sometime. I tried this several times and just always ended up with the bouquet myself, which I gave to the first <laughs> elderly lady I saw. At least that pickup tactic was somewhat redeemable. The worst, most shameful, cringeworthy pickup attempt happened at a bookstore that I regularly frequented. There was a member of staff, an attractive young lady who had caught my eye. I was going to ask her out, despite the fact we were total strangers. I was young and, to be honest, a little bit desperate. Despite this, my body was flooded with hormones and confidence, and by God, I was going to woo her. (laughs) Suddenly, a plan occurred to me, which at the time didn't seem crazy or insane at all, and I began to hover around the romance section in the bookstore. After about 15 minutes of collecting all of my youthful, foolhardy courage, as she passed, I asked if she could help me find a book. Of course, she said, what is the title of the book you're looking for? I replied... That I didn't know Only that the two main characters Were her Uh, And myself And I couldn't find our pictures Anywhere on the front covers
1: Oh
2: no I pointed to the rotating rack Of Mills and Boone's novellas Featuring hunky men And swooning (laughs) damsels The look on her face Was half confusion Half fear I tried to look suave I was wearing a maroon suit And one grey contact lens (laughs) As she stood there, shocked at this utter moron who had just tried a pickup line in the middle of the day in a bookstore, I casually leant on the rotating display of mills and booze novellas and began my next attempt to... However, to my absolute horror, the display toppled, my weight causing it to come crashing down. (laughs) Books flew everywhere. I fell to the floor in the most unsophisticated (laughs) manner possible. I was now surrounded by an array of muscular men and damsels in distress, illustrated on front covers of scattered romance novels, with myself (laughs) still trying to style out the fall. I awkwardly perched myself on my elbow as if on a chaise lounge. (laughs) I do hope the CCTV has been erased. For some reason, I can only put it down to the delirium of such a creepy yet sweeping romantic proposal. I said from the floor, sorry, it seems I've literally fallen for you. Oh no,
1: oh no. (laughs) Just when he thought it couldn't get any worse.
2: Like I said, I've been looking for 15 minutes for your beautiful face now and I still can't find the book with you and I on the cover. (sighs) Without missing a beat this time, the gorgeous young lady replied, I think you're going to have to self-publish that particular book. (laughs) I laughed awkwardly and something inside me died. She promptly left me walking very fast to the staff room in the back of the store. Fair enough. Please rid me of this shame. I want one day to return to this bookstore and break free from my self-imposed exile.
1: The trick is if you've got a crush on somebody working in a bookshop, you go in and you say, oh, I'm looking for romance. Right. And if, like... If it's meant to be, they'll say, me too, let's go for a milkshake. But if it's not meant to be, you could just pretend you're looking for the romance section. Okay. No? I just thought that up then.
2: It, I'm just wondering if that's one in a trillion or one in a trillion trillion that they would go, me too. and not just go, oh, okay, I'll show it to you, regardless of how they felt. Okay, let's go on to Steve. This story involves two incidents at my local little supermarket. The first was when I had taken some super noodles to work for my lunch, but after realising this would not satisfy my hunger, I went out and treated myself to something else. Fast forward to the end of the day, and I nipped into the shop to buy some essentials. Whilst at the till I remembered I had the super noodles in my bag and paranoid the alarm door thingy was going to go off, I panicked and put the noodles I had already owned on the conveyor belt to buy them again. <laughs> The second, I think, is worse. (laughs) At another occasion, I was at the packing area of the shop, packing up my weekly shop. The person next to me was also packing up their shopping a little bit too close for comfort. They finished first and started walking away when I noticed they'd left a block of cheese on the counter. I knew it wasn't mine, but instead of shouting after the customer and causing a scene, I just put the cheese in my own bag. I would rather become a thief than shout after a stranger. To be fair, the cheese was paid for, just not by me.
1: <laughs> please send your stories of, uh, of drifting. If we want drifting stories, please, it's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Annabelle, let's have a way in which you are not a fully functioning adult. Part
2: 48 more things that I can't seem to do that don't seem to trouble anybody else. So I'm adding to the list, which so far has included holding a baby, opening child safety caps, opening bottles of water from pret manger ironing with that weird brown stuff coming bubbling out the bottom <laughs> of the iron, inserting a note in a self-service till, expressing basic human emotions, being able to tell <laughs> if clothes are dry or not, cutting my nails with scissors, identifying eye colours and recapture when you have to prove to the internet you're not a robot. Mm. So I've got two more things for the list. Number one, resealing resealable food packets
1: oh god <laughs> i came across with some salt earlier
2: oh god what i'm talking about is when you buy for example a bag of rice and it yeah. comes with that little clear sticking yes. resealing tab to close the packet in between uses Packets didn't need to be resealable, did they? Like, this is a newish thing. In the past, brands left it up to us to sort out the closing of the packet. I feel that this worked just fine. You were either the kind of person that has a lot of those resealing clips that you can buy in bulk at IKEA tills, or you were the kind of person who just left the packet open and let the content spill everywhere and go stale. Yes. I was obviously very much the latter, yes, as I'm yes. guessing you were too. <laughs> But now the food companies are getting involved in our resealing and so many packets now come with these little tabs like rice, nuts, big packets of chocolate buttons. And when this first started happening, I thought, well, fantastic. I now get to keep everything fresh and in its packet. And I pressed down the tab, then I went back the next day, pack it open. I could go back an hour later, same thing, it'd come open. These tabs are without doubt the least sticky, sticky items in the world. If these resealing tabs were at a sticky convention, superglue wouldn't even speak to it. Chewing gum would ignore it at the evening drinks. And even blue tack would blanket in the hotel reception the next day. It somehow turned into an overnight convention. I'm not sure how common that is. Anyway, despite this, they are still there. So they must be working for some people. So I can only blame myself like something amiss with my pressing technique. How else could it be explained? Number two, being able to tell if it's my tummy rumbling or someone else's. I have no idea at
1: all.
2: <laughs> like, surely I should be able to feel it. Can, I, can you feel it? Am I supposed to feel it? Yeah,
1: but it's the same thing. I, I, I don't know if I'm imagining I could feel it if somebody else's tummy rumbles.
2: <laughs> like that kind of noise. For there not to be any kind of vibration. It's just weird, I think. The only way I ever know it's me is if I'm on my own or if I'm with someone else and they say, oh, your tummy's rumbling. Or more usually something like, oh, sounds like you're hungry. And I always feel really embarrassed that my tummy has made that noise, which is ridiculous because it's not embarrassing. What was really embarrassing was that recently I was with my son and there was a loud tummy rumbling noise and I said, oh, is that me or is it you? And it turned out I was just sitting on the pig button of his animal noises book. And my son looked at me like an idiot and he's two. <laughs>
1: Weird if I tell the Drifters about Sarah being on telly? No. I'm just thinking, so by the time this comes out, two of things will have aired, but they'll be available on catch-up. So uh, she's on Roast Battle, mm-hmm. which is where people say very insulting things to each other. Mm-hmm. Comedians, this is. Uh, and that's on Comedy Central, and you'll be able to get that on catch-up because it went out on Monday night. It's her saying rude things to uh, Richard Herring.
2: It sounds like it's going to be very good.
1: With Jimmy Carr and Catherine Ryan and Richard Aiawadi judging, mm-hmm. who was the best at being rude to the other one. And then uh, on Tuesday night, so this will be available on Channel 4 Catch-Up, um, she's on 8 Out of 10 Cats great I know you've enjoyed that show in the mm. in the past mm. and uh on wednesday night so you maybe maybe tonight if you listen to this when it comes out she's on hypothetical on the dave channel which is james A. Castor and josh Winn- widdicombe and she's on with maisie adam and jonathan ross and rob beckett
2: okay great
1: are you listening to all this and thinking soon you will be able to retire
2: you yes yeah yeah i'm sure you're counting the days on the calendar I i
1: mean these don't things don't you know pay as well as you think they might but you know it's it's all about building it up oh yeah yeah building up the world domination um oh and i should also mention she's doing a run of her show from last year that she did in edinburgh it's called enemies closer and she's doing a run of it in soho in london uh in march and i'll be there like a fanboy yeah like when when in local bands people's girlfriends and sisters go along and they're the only ones dancing and mouthing all the words to the songs <laughs> that nobody else would know mm-hmm. i'm very much like that at her shows but i'm going to go to as many as i can i know you will yep definitely too yeah. um so yeah it's called enemies closer at the soho theater in march it's on for a couple of weeks I should also like to thank our Patreon supporters at uh, this juncture. If you'd like to become a Patreon supporter, we would welcome that. Uh, just a little bit of your money, an American dollar, what is that, 7, 79p? I don't know, but uh, every month or a bit more if you're feeling flush. Uh, really helps us out and uh, it helps by our time to keep the podcast going. So please support us on Patreon. The next special thing that we're hoping to do is the Tour de Snaresbrook and... Annabelle, before we started recording today, Mm. you WhatsApped your lover, Tom, to ask if he could operate a camera and and film this thing. And you sent him a potential date. He has sent a reply. I don't know what the reply is. You haven't told me. Uh, I don't even know if you've read it yet. But here we go. We're going to discover it live.
2: (laughs) So I sent to him at uh, 20.33. Can you film me and Jeff on a short tour of Snaresbrook for a drift on Friday? The reply came at 20.46. And this is it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yay! Oh,
1: this is great. So we booked
2: in for fr- this Friday. This is great yeah, news. Yeah, it's amazing news. At last.
1: Uh so so that's coming soon. Really soon. Have you told him he's got to do a jazzy edit as well, like no. he does for his clients? No,
2: I haven't mentioned that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> jazzy. No. <laughs> Want it to be jazzy and snazzy. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, let's we won't mention that.
1: Okay. So coming s- sooner than even I thought. Mm. So, oh, this is so exciting. We're going on the tour to Snazbrook This Friday. On Friday. As long as it's
2: not raining. I bet you're the forecast. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: if you would like to see the results of this, it's coming soon. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com stroke adrift. A couple of quick things. Firstly, on the subject of getting an Uber, you've got an Uber before now, haven't you? Uh-huh. Done it. You, got, you ordered a car on yep. your phone. Uh-huh. You didn't think too much about the ethics of it. You just wanted to get it from A to B, right? That's all yeah. you wanted to do. Yeah. And the way it works is when you order one of these cars, the driver's face and his name pops up. And then when I get in the car, I don't know if you do it this way, uh, I get in the back or in the front if I'm not in London, because um, I don't want to seem... Like, uh, I think I'm better than I am. We've discussed this before. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm ordering a chauffeur around. <laughs> Whereas in London, that's the done thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, so so I get in and then I always use the driver's name. I say, oh, hi, are you Bernard? And that way, he knows that I've got in the right car. I'm not some somebody else who was getting a different Uber, or just trying to steal somebody else's taxi. Mm-hmm. You're you with me on all this, right? Yep. So I do this the other day, uh Bernard comes and picks me up. I I get in. I say, "Are you Bernard?" He says, "Yes." And and then he he does something uh which they sometimes do which gets my back up a little bit. He goes, uh, "What's your name?" Okay. Like and what goes on in my head at that point is I'll tell you my name. You know, you've got it on a screen in front of you. But what are the chances of somebody who isn't isn't me <laughs> mm. getting in your car? And and guessing your name, yeah, yeah. Like we've already done the identification bit. Oh,
2: yeah, I see what's, yeah, I see what you mean, yeah.
1: So I'm a bit taken aback. I say, "Oh, my name it's it's Jeff," and then I get the sense that something about the way I say that seems not credible to him. And then he adds in a third layer of protection. No, he's like, "So where is it you're going then?" Really? Yeah.
2: He thought you were a chancer, but such a chancer, you managed to chance upon his name. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think uh, I don't think it's a, I don't think you need the double layer of security no. in this situation, let, let alone triple. And it made me think I must have a very sort of suspicious way about me.
2: I have to say, and this is probably wrong then, but when I get in, I've always, without thinking, it hasn't even occurred to me to do it your way. I've always said, are you for Annabelle?
1: Yeah, Sarah does a bit about that in her set. What type of person that makes you. I
2: never occurred to me there was anything wrong with that. Mm, But then at least I'm eliminating this double layer of protection. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Unless he then said, and what's my name? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I always think it's the nicest, most polite thing to do is use their name. And now I'm wondering if actually it's a bit like, you know, if you're in the supermarket and they make somebody wear a name badge, yes. then using their name. Yes,
2: I wonder whether it's annoying. And also, is it you then, like, you checking instead of them. It looks like you're doing the checking where it should be them. I, I feel you. like I just seem
1: like a great guy.
2: Yeah. yeah. Anyway,
1: <laughs> uh, that was one thing. And the other thing I was going to mention is I went for a walk the other day, uh, and and I was going down the street, and I passed a somewhat run-down Italian restaurant, which is very close to somewhere I used to live, so I used to see it all the time. And it's one of these places there's rarely anybody in there. Mm. I noticed in the window something had changed quite dramatically. They'd got a life-size cardboard cutout of Paul McCartney. Right. Somewhat recent, you know, not Beatle era or Wings era or anything. I think it's within the last 10 years. Striding and giving the peace sign. Okay. Now, I... I was wondering what is going on there then? Like, I wonder how much different to, difference to trade of that Italian restaurant <laughs> having a life-size picture of Paul McCartney in the window is is making. Mm, mm. And then I was thinking, why is it there? Could it be that he once went there and he was papped coming out of there? If so, wouldn't you have sort of had a cutout which showed the restaurant instead of just him? Yeah. seems It seemed very odd to me. And like every, everyone else these days, I see something odd and I think I'll take a picture of that and put it social media. So I go over... And I start taking a picture of this life-size cardboard cutout of Paul McCartney. I notice on the inside of the restaurant, there is a, a woman having a late lunch with a kid. I would say like a six-year-old girl. Um, so what I made sure was my camera was just pointing at the picture of Paul McCartney. Okay. However, this woman, despite the fact that I was clearly only taking a picture of the cutout, covered her child's face. Really? What was yes. like a napkin or no, something? Like with her hands. Really? Like shielded from, uh, from my direction was, with her hands. Was
2: this woman a celebrity?
1: No. And that is not a, not that I recommend. To me that
2: is the only explanation.
1: No, here's the other explanation. Yeah. She thought I looked like some kind of pervert.
2: Yeah, but, like, what pervert, like...
1: People are funny about that kind of thing, aren't they? In
2: what ways? I just don't understand what she's thinking. Like, it's quite a wild imagination. Well, I
1: know it is, but also she looked out the window. She thought, oh, that guy looks like somebody who'd be taking pictures of children through restaurant windows. Are you
2: sure she wasn't For his
1: own nefarious... Playing and?
2: like a weird game of peekaboo with their child. It
1: did not look like that. Wiping some
2: food off she, the She face. turned around
1: and scowled at me as she did no, it. No,
2: I can't imagine doing that. So along
1: with everything else I'm contending with, I also, if I'm not with my own child, <laughs> I look like some kind of child photographing <laughs> weirdo. And now, you know, I've not had this worry for a while. I used to have it before I had a kid. I worry that when I am with my child, I look like an abductor of children. Oh God. <laughs> He shouted danger again the other day. He didn't, no. Have <laughs> did you, you got to the bottom of where it's come from? I did, It was a similar sort of thing. Basically, he wouldn't go where I wanted him to go, so I picked him up. And when I picked him up, he shouted danger, danger. <laughs> <laughs> Which does suggest to me it's something he's been taught. Yeah, yeah. You know, if somebody tries to take you away mm. or if somebody tries to touch you. Yeah, shout danger, shout,
2: danger, danger. 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 <laughs>
1: Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic here in Problematic. Who's the first one from, Annabelle? Rifka. Oh, Rifka. How's Rifka? Yes.
2: I have a Airbnb related to Quandary. Okay. My husband and I visited the International Film Festival in Rotterdam last weekend. We saw a VR movie that made me utterly nauseous and a German-Spanish movie with hardly any dialogue. I felt very in crowd with the movie Connoisseurs. After the movies we stayed in an amazing Airbnb, lovely view, a bathtub, nicely decorated and a small bottle of wine left for us on the table. We were mostly out and didn't drink the wine and when we were leaving the next morning I wanted to leave the wine as I see it as something you may drink when you're here but if you don't drink it then you should leave it. It's part of the experience of the apartment so to speak and it's rude to just pocket it. My husband disagreed, he said that we got the wine as a gift and that it would be rude to ignore the gift. In the end, we took the wine because I'd rather be rude with wine than without. (laughs) But I'd like to know what you think of it. I can add there was also a bowl of candy on the table. And though we did eat some candy, we didn't empty the bowl in our rucksack. (laughs) That one is clear. Oh, I think that's really tricky.
1: Well, I think the difference between wine and pretty much anything else is that once it's open, Mm -mm. I say pretty much anything else, it applies to any number of perishable foods and drinks. I don't know why mm. I said unlike anything else, but unlike the candy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um
2: you can't just have a bit of it and leave it that exactly, would Exactly. Yeah, that rude. would be
1: that would be weird.
2: Yeah, yeah. But is it because they this, this is a thing at Airbnb. They often leave a little gift, do they? I I haven't stayed in many. I of them. haven't come
1: across it much and we've uh, stayed in a few. Okay, okay. I, I don't know if maybe we've had it once. Mm-mm. Um,
2: okay, so they've left it as a sort of little housewarming gift. I don't feel it's rude to leave it, is it? I'm trying to imagine if I had an Airbnb, got back in there. What would I think if I saw the wine there? Would I be offended or would I be like, oh, good, I haven't got to buy another one? And I know straight away I think, oh, good, I haven't got to buy another one.
1: Here's, here's the truth of it. Yeah. It is a nice little gift, but really you're paying for it. And if you're paying oh. for it, it's yours. So,
2: you might as well take it. So, it's it.
1: built into the price of yeah. the app. They've decided here's what we'll charge for that. We'll throw in this. So, yeah, you should be uh, taking some of that. You should have some kind of equation for how much. <laughs> you should take little refillable bottles mm. and take, you know, their shampoo. <laughs> you should have emptied the candy into your rucksack.
2: <laughs> okay, so can we agree that it is not rude should you leave, like, leave it because you genuinely don't want it, but you're perfectly entitled to take it with you if you haven't drank it while you're there?
1: Exactly, yes.
2: Okay, great. Good, good. Oh, she also says. I have a thought experiment for Jeff as I found myself in a situation the other day and thinking, wow, this would be a rough situation for Jeff to be in. I was eating alone in a pizza rear and it was quite crowded, so I sat near the kitchen. There, I overheard the staff telling the kitchen that they needed a new pizza as the woman who ordered the pizza with pancetta actually was a vegetarian and she thought pancetta is an Italian cheese. So Jeff, if you would find yourself in such a situation, would you rather admit that you'd made a mistake and are less culinary savvy than you thought and bother the staff and kitchen, or would you rather violate your beliefs and eat the pancetta or take it off and hide it in your napkin? <laughs> I would have done that. What would you do?
1: So I, I would, I have have been in this situation, not so much now because you can Google everything, you get your phone out, and if you're unsure about an ingredient, you can Google it now. But yeah. um, here's, here's what I've done in that situation. I'd say to the, to the server, is that a weird word, server? Little bit, yeah. It's like you serve me. But I also think waitress is a – I I think making waiter and waitress gender gendered mm. is a is a weird thing to do in this day and age. Mm. And server seems like the next best option.
2: It's server and – an American, It's maybe an Americanism, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I don't know. I wish I say to the person working in the restaurant oh, right. There's gotta be a better word. Mm. Um, waiting staff. Say to the waiter, but then it's like Wait. you know. Then you work. you are in the back of the Uber again, like with your chauffeur and your waiting staff. It's very I think, difficult. I think you're overthinking. Okay, it. Um, I say to them, "I'm so sorry. This is completely on me. Uh, I will happily pay for another one. I'll pay for the the one that I've misordered. But I misunderstood what pancetta was, uh, uh, so I'd like to order another, for another one. And once again, I'll pay for both. And it's on me. I'm so sorry.
2: So you get round about paying double. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. There we go. Right. Let's move on to the second one, which is from Anastasia. I am writing to gain clarity on a situation similar to One Arm Freddy's bus talker from last week. Two weeks ago, I was attending the opera to watch tragedy unfold on stage.
1: This is the kind of listener we want.
2: (laughs) However, the real tragedy was my momentary abandonment of my driftery ways during the first intermission. From the moment the lights darkened for the performance, I could hear a rather loud jingling from behind me. Mine, this is not a jingling as in the occasional quiet sound of two pieces of metal like Rin's touching. No, this is like a small high-pitched bell... I could hardly focus on the performance. I was so distracted and it went on for the whole first act. As the lights came up for the first intermission, I attempted a nonchalant scan of the rows behind me to try and locate this unscrupulous Tinkerbell, intending merely to despise them quietly to myself. I set eyes on her and went about creating her backstory, wherein she is not only an inconsiderate patron of the arts, but also probably the kind of person who doesn't like dogs, children or ice cream. (laughs) However, my fantasy was interrupted by the realisation that, because the jingling had continued throughout the entirety of the first act, it was likely that none of the confident spry opera-goers seated close by were going to address the issue. I should add that there is no way that I was the only person who could hear this bell. She was a full three rows behind me, so I can only imagine the suffering endured by those in closer seats. Gutted at the thought that I would have to endure another two hours of jingle bells (laughs) rather than the opera I've been looking forward to... I, a drifter, did the unthinkable I approached her. Be the assertive American spouse Jeff would admire, I thought. (laughs) I swallowed my fear and several gulps of carver and strode over to her, working as hard as possible to achieve maximum meekness in my body language to soften the interaction. Excuse me, you probably don't know this, but the charm on your bracelet is rather loud and I can hear it several rows ahead of you. Would you mind removing it for the rest of the performance? She looked at me coldly. Fine, thank you. And I stumbled away. As awful as the interaction was, she did remove the bracelet for the remainder of the performance and I made sure to avoid eye contact with her in the second intermission. Is there any way I could have addressed this less directly? I never want to do anything like this again.
1: That's what ushers are for. You grass her up to an usher. Oh,
2: this is the difference between the bus or the train, isn't it? You've got people. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You've got
2: staff, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, you're so right. You have a discreet... And because there's loads of people around her, she's not going to know it's you. Exactly, yeah. You have yeah. a very discreet word with the Nusha. Yes. Oh, that poor
1: usher. <laughs> that poor, poor usher. But then it's not your problem. It's the no, usher's problem. No, no.
2: That's perfect solution. Okay, fine.
1: Uh, to ask, to send us your quandary, please. If there is a social situation whereby you're struggling to know what the rules are, we will tell you. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. And that was our podcast. Thank you to Man and the Echo for the backing music, to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Send your stories, please. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com stroke adrift. And uh, I think you're going to have to self-publish that particular book. Podication time! Ah, oh, Lou Bullen, who says, "Hello, Jeff and Annabelle." Hello. Hello. I would like to request a podication for my best friend Molly Thompson. I've asked for podications for Molly before, but not since this podcast has been going. Molly is ahead of the game and asked for a podication for me when I ran the London Marathon last year. It was the hottest day on record, and I've definitely decided one marathon mm-hmm. is enough. Uh, Molly, I just said marathon. Marathon. (laughs) Sorry, Uh, Molly and I continue to live several hours apart. I'm in West Sussex; she is in Somerset. I would never admit it to her, but I miss her a lot. We've had some great outings and weekends away, including coming to visit the two of you before the end of the radio show. We bought M&S biscuits, and everyone was baffled that Molly takes two sugars in black tea. Hope that jogs your memory. You had me at M&S Biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, uh, we also both managed to win commemorative mugs. Never forget. There's usually one of those knocking around in here. My son hasn't knocked right. it over. Right. There right. it is. Yeah. There we go. Um, so, please put a this to Molly, as and when the cupboard or bulldog clip. Bulldog clip, oh, there's one for the... That uh, was a very
2: poor system. I was thinking that the other day. You've got a much better system now. I think we've
1: had very poor systems over the years. we many poor systems We're not over really the years, systems are people, are we? That's no, been, always no, been a problem. Uh for us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is looking bare. I'm not sure how up-to-date she is with the podcast, so I will await to hear when she hears this. Peace and love, peace and love. Lou Bullen. P.S. I've had this in my drafts like your listener a few weeks ago. Not... Sure, why? But I felt a bit awkward sending it. Oh well, here goes. <laughs> Lou, it's oh, us. Maybe be silly. We, 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 we go back. Yeah, me, you, Annabelle, Molly. Um, well, I, I always like hearing when people have stuck with us for a long time. Mm. You know, uh, still there. It's exciting yeah. when people find the podcast as a few of them have recently, where it said I've just discovered it and been working my way through the back catalogue. It's nice people have been with us for a little while, and it's lovely when people have been with us for years and years and years, if not decades. So um, hello to both of you. That's the latest edition podicated from Lou Bullen to Molly Thompson. And if you'd like a podication, you can email hello at adriftpodcast.com.